the squad rock roll huh. up, 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 up. <laughs> Alert the squad rock roll huh. My grandmama was raised on a reservation. Huh. My great grandmama was from a plantation. They sang songs for inspiration. They sang songs for relaxation. They sang songs to take their minds up off that fucked up situation. I am, yes, I am, the descendant of those folks whose backs got broke. Fell down inside the club small Black people Chains on their ankles and feet I am descendants Of the builders of your streets Black people Send this to your cotton money I am hip-hop I am Welcome to the Piper Carter podcast, everyone. Uh, I am your host, Piper Carter, and that was most deaf, my favorite artist um, from one of his best albums ever. Uh, yeah, and I have not in the studio, but kind of in the studio um, on a virtual studio with me today, um, an incredible, amazing human doing powerful work that I'm very, very honored to be in community with, Curtis Renee. Peace, Curtis, and welcome. Hi, Piper. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited um, to have you here because of the work that you do. So, um, how about this? Maybe, well, first I'll say that I think I'm, I think, I think I actually met you somewhere around 2011, somewhere around that time period. And so had been in your orbit through the justice communities and things like that, and then became your roommate. And, um, then now I'm your community member and I hope family member. Yes. Um, yeah, for life. So just um, I wanted to also say that I took your um, Kingian nonviolent training. I've tasted your amazing vegan cooking. Um, you have made my hair look incredible with your uh <laughs> amazing talent that you have in your fingers to do natural hair and your knowledge of um, natural hair care and natural hair care product quality. And so, yeah, there are many points of intersection, as we say, um, in the uh, social justice streets. So um, that's how, those are just a few ways in which, you know, our paths intersect. I wanted to throw it back to you to just let the world know um, who you are and what you do. Um, well, hi, I'm Curtis Renee. Um, I use they, them pronouns. And um, I am one of the co-founders and co-directors of the Detroit Safety Team, as well as a co-lead for Black Lives Matter Detroit. And I have my own food catering business 
um, Black Food Love that really specifically lifts, lifts up Black American food and its connection to West African food. Hmm. I love that. Um, so let's thank you for that, first of all. So let's dig into um, a bit about the safety team, just maybe like a, a brief kind of overview, understanding so folks know like what a safety team is. Sure. So um, safety team in a nutshell, uh, it provides space for people to think about and co-create alternatives to policing in our community. And so at the roots of the organization is the abolitionist organization. I love that. Okay. Um, can you define your, your definition of abolition? Um, uh, abolitionists, I think, um, abolitionists are able to see, uh, systems that don't work or maybe, um, in how they're created, they are working, but in terms of how, um, they, um, affect black and brown communities, um, uh, they're unsafe. And so we want to not only like tear down those structures that are unsafe for black and brown bodies, but also replace them with things that are actually um, created to um, lift up and encourage and love and support us. So, yeah. Yeah, and so um, this month uh, is Black August. And so um, the reason I brought you on um, is under the guise of Black August. And um, we had Yusuf Shakur on, um, as well as Kwasi, uh, to give us the history of Black August and some of the work that they're doing. And they um, shared with us um, their history with intersecting with the carceral system and the ways in which they're resisting against all of the things, as we say. And so um, this month I wanted to um, have people speak to the ways in which um, you're reimagining our communities as, as resistance. Um, against the um, all the things you know <laughs> there's so much it's like it's like you want to say one thing and then you think of like 50 of the things that we're resisting <laughs> right right <laughs> so we just say all the things um, militarism you know and all the isms and schisms and so could you speak to the um, ways in which you have designed and reimagined um, a safer world, and um, and and the ways in which you would uh, like Black bodies uh, to live. Um, you've done, you've been doing this work for a while in different ways, and I wanted you to kind of, you know, breathe through it a little bit and help us understand this journey. Um, okay, so reimagine. I feel like such a big question. Um, so 
I think for me, um, really specifically in walking through the world as a Black femme, um, there are a lot of moments in the world where I don't feel safe. Um, and not just sometimes in like neighborhoods where I live um, and sometimes in interacting um, with structures like police um, and growing up, if there weren't people in the community that were like, okay, can we try to figure this out? Um, a lot of times the police were called and the interactions with police, regardless to if like you were the person that um, was like harm causing harm in the community or you're just like a person just in the community, like um, it was like everyone in that on that block, it was just like free range to terrorize everyone. And so growing up feeling like if these are the people we're supposed to call and they also make me feel unsafe, then what are, where do we like kind of go from here? Like how do we um, kind of like take care of ourselves and um, not like ignore harm that's happening in our community spaces um, and not also continue to just let harm continue on, but like really address it in a way where there's some space for people to like heal and grow and move forward. Um, and I would say that I begin thinking a lot about this, maybe like baby thoughts about this. Um, as a high schooler, I was involved in a summer, like a summer job program where essentially you like, they hire you and it's all of this, like all of these enrichment um, activities. And it was through mine, um, Michigan Institute for Nonviolence Education. And that was the first time I was introduced to Kenyan nonviolence, um, which is the philosophy of nonviolence used during the civil rights movement. Um, and from there went into a elementary school where I was asked to create a peace room, which was an alternative for suspension, which I loved because I don't really, I don't understand why suspension is a thing. Um, and so I talked a lot about empathy with the students and um, they would come into my room and we would talk about like, well, you know, what happened? Um, how do we get here? How do we not continue to be here for the rest of the year? Um, and it was such a great experience. I think I was in my second year at Wayne State and initially had gone to Wayne State to be a biochem major. And after that year in AmeriCorps, I was like, I don't want to be a biochemist. <laughs> um, and began thinking about working uh, with youth and uh, work with youth for about 
12 years doing after school programming, uh, which really gave me the space to do a lot of conflict reconciliation and um, also being able to think about um, when things happen, when harm happens with children or there's conflict with children or youth, um, what are other alternatives to being like, you're not welcome here, which is so harmful. Um, and I worked in South Warren for most of my career um, in after school programming. And so a lot of those kids, they didn't have like, any other programming, um, like there were no other places to go. And so how, what is, I couldn't wrap my mind around like, well, we're gonna kick you out of this program because, and then like, where would you go and what would you do? And so it gave me a lot of space to practice, um, like working through conflict and working through harm and listening, a lot of listening. Um, and, uh, I think during that moment, I didn't really see that I like myself as an abolitionist. I just saw myself as I really love these youth and I really want to do my best to create a safe space for them to land after school and have some support with their homework. And also just like a place to have fun. Like we did all kinds of stuff. And so um, I feel like those were some of the beginning spaces of um, me starting to reimagine like a world without police, a world without prisons, um, a, a world where, um, people are expendable and it's okay to just throw people away. So. Can you dig more into the um, expendability piece that you're speaking to? Yeah. Um, so when we think about prisons and we think about like, okay, so someone has like, um, like harmed someone in the neighborhood, in a the community there. Um, and we go through this whole thing of a trial and then we throw someone in prison, um, essentially saying like, you're not worthy of being a part of our community anymore. And so we're just gonna throw you away. And so um, what I can't imagine personally, the feeling of like saying like, essentially like you're, not worthy, you're worthless. Like you're someone that can be replaced. Um, your uniqueness as a person doesn't really exist. Mm. And you know, what's interesting, um, we're going to get more into what the safety team does and things like that. That question comes up. Well, I won't say that it's that question in particular. I'll say that that thought comes to my mind when people ask the question around if there's no prisons, how do we deal with people who consistently cause harm or people who are 
people who um, do not want to um, be a part of uh, community in that way, right? Or, um, and then, you know, that's the, that's the idea that comes to my mind, I think, of um, when we talk about alternatives to prisons, alternatives to policing, when people always ask me, well, then what do we do with these people, right? Like that expendability is such a hard rub because it's like if a person causes harm, a certain level of harm, right, in community, then what we tend to see is retaliation, right? Sometimes, sometimes it's retaliation. Sometimes people just live with it, right? But either way, there's a persistent feeling, I'm going to say, of harm that's like still there, whether it's through um, people still having to see that person or interact with that person and having to deal with those feelings or, um, of a family that's related to that person having to endure a level of violence from others because of that person's actions. Like, I don't, maybe it's, maybe it's a different question of, of expendability. Um, but it's a question of, yeah. So that part, like the, I mean, that's the question that p- folks always pose to me. Like what, mm-hmm. What are, what are what are the ideas? I don't want to say what should happen to that person because that takes it from a uh, a point of that punishment is um inevitable, right? Mm-hmm. But I guess I don't know. And like maybe maybe I'll just even step step it all the way back and even just make it like more open. Like, what should the questions be? Like, maybe I'm even asking the wrong questions. Do you know Um, what I mean? Yeah, but I think, you know, that's a logical, I think, question to ask because this is a system that we've all grown up in. And so the idea of someone, um, like, um, harming, like, community members, the automatic thought, even if uh, sometimes we're not thinking it's from a place of punishment, that's something that will just like automatically come up, which um, when we have experienced harm or like a level of trauma or abuse or things like that, um, um, there's a lot of feelings. There's a lot of healing that needs to happen. And a person needs space um, to also like heal. And um we know that healing happens in community. And so just like this person that has experienced the harm that has also um, been traumatized, the person that has harmed also needs to have um, a space to heal um, and people to support them in, in that walk of healing, in that walk of being accountable. Um, so, I think it's important to also note that it's not the responsibility of the person that was harmed to like take that um, that journey with the person that harmed. I feel like in moments of conflict, moments of harm, moments of abuse, um, we all have a part in supporting um, 
supporting folks having the space to heal. And so if I'm removed from what has happened and I can offer support and offer space to contribute to someone healing that has harmed, I think it's important for us to also be able to do that. And so I don't, and I'm also not saying I have like all the questions. I also grew up in this system. And so I'm constantly like reimagining, I'm constantly like throwing things away or discarding things that are in myself that come from living in this system my whole life. Um, so, but I think there is an opportunity um, for us to kind of like figure this out as a community. And it doesn't mean that um, a person that has been harmed um, has to be like in interaction with this other person like all the time. But it also means that um, as a community, we're not like, you know, calling them out and throwing them away. And um, everyone kind of just like, kind of just like icing this person out in our community space, because um, that doesn't offer like a, a person a space to heal, a person a space to grow, uh, or like learn um, new ways of like interacting with folks that isn't harmful. Yeah. And so let's say like, okay, so let's look at a couple of different, for lack of better way to put it, categories of harm. So let's look at um, the ways in which, so for the kinging and nonviolent training, right, there are these um, circles. They're like, well, there's the ways in which you interact with people, but there's these restorative circles, right? And then there's like restorative processes, right? I mean, there's different types of restorative processes and different uh, philosophies and different people who do it in different ways. But I'm speaking to the ways in which I experienced it with you, right, in my trainings with you, right? So there's these different levels where um, consent, right? We're speaking about consent, like people have to consent to go into this restorative the consent has to first be from the person harm right of this uh that they want to enter into this restorative circle then there are people who are heavily trained who do lots of pre-work ahead of time it's not just like people coming together like y'all need to talk you know what i mean it's like um getting the understanding of um the various parties and then there may be other people involved, right? So getting all these different versions and voices and things, and then um, uh, entering folks into this agreed process to then uh, move move forward in this way. And I guess I'm wondering, what can you explain that a bit more? And then, in what circumstances is that pro? Is that yeah process useful? And then when do we need to move to like something different? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I also want to just like clarify too, um, with the Detroit safety team and also just like kind of like my journey in learning about um, ways to address conflict and harm and things like that. Um, King and our violence was like one of the first models of like thinking about conflict differently. Um, and 
um, King and I violence, um, I think at its roots is something used for like mobilizing and organizing like community spaces, but it also lends a lot of knowledge as far as um, like how to identify conflict, even just like on a interpersonal level. And um, I've also like um, received and participated in training around like restorative practice and restorative justice, where we see um, the use of circles um, used and um, and like what you were talking about, being able to like talk with everyone involved and see what's happened um, before bringing everyone together um, for like a circle. Um, I've also um, received training in community accountability. Um, shout out to Shira Hassan and Miriam Kava, um, who wrote a wonderful book called Fumbling Towards Repair, which is essentially a workbook around community accountability um, and how we use it um, to um, address moments of harm. Um, so I wanted to just like kind of separate those things out a little bit. And then I'm also going to ask you to repeat your question again. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, there's so there's different tools, basically. Mm -hmm. And the circles are a tool. I've seen the circles. I, I recognize that in the school system, for instance, I want to say around maybe 2014, 2015, there started to be I think it's all related to capitalism, but <laughs> there started to be in the schools the um, trainings around, I'm going to say, they were calling it restorative practices. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it, in my opinion, it was a, more leaning towards this very punishment-centered um, model of... Um, you know, prison prep, <laughs> but they were um, moving towards doing more of the circles and, and this type of process. Mm -hmm. And what I noticed, they were using it, uh, let's say young people get into a physical fight. They were using it in that way to combat suspensions so that they could reduce suspensions and they were doing like in school detentions right mm -hmm. so they were using it to like you know <laughs> we're not gonna suspend you we'll detain you um type thing but um again it was more centered on you know how do we decide how we're gonna punish you type thing not necessarily the restorative the, the the meaning of restoring wasn't the same meaning that when we're talking about restorative <laughs> justice I'll just say that mm -hmm. but but I'm just saying the the practice in and of itself of circles right is a tool right it's it's a useful tool not sure how that tool um translates right across harms if that makes sense and okay. just trying to understand where that tool from a person of, of of your understanding and the ways in which you practice when is that tool a useful tool and then when is it time to use some different you know stronger tools if you will um 
I think that I agree. Circles are absolutely a useful tool. And then I think that sometimes also where schools, um, I did a restorative practice program in the school in Detroit. And um, I think a lot of times the part that is missed is like, so the circles, but like restorative practice is like how we interact with each other before there's a conflict too. So how are we in community with each other? How are we practicing communicating with each other? How are, um, how are we practicing um, talking about our feelings and emotions, whether they're good or bad? Um, like all of that work that we do in community with each other, like regularly and not just like bringing out circles when there's a fire. And so like when we're thinking about like reimagining um, reimagining how we interact with harm and conflict, um, we also need to be thinking about like how are we also reimagining how we're in space and sharing space and being in community with one another on a regular basis before those things happen. Um, so that when a conflict arises, it's like, oh, well, I know you. Like, you know, this did hurt. Um, and, but I've also been in practice and talking with you. And um, I've also like developed tools and being able to communicate before we get to this point of like, there's a conflict. Um, and so I would say, I don't know if I can say like, oh, very, plainly like this is when I use a circle and this is when I don't use a circle and this is my this might be when I use like um community accountability um I feel like a lot of times when I'm like supporting people and navigating conflict and harm um I try to listen to like what has happened and really think about like how can I support everyone and like showing up as their best selves? Um, and also like, how can I support like folks um, taking those first steps to like healing? Um, and I don't think healing also always means that, oh, we're best friends again. I don't think that's what that means at the end of it. Um, healing might look like a lot of different things. Um, but um, yeah, I don't know if I'm like answering your question well. <laughs> yeah. And so then I guess I'll just add on that. Um, so I'll just give another example. Um, there have been people who in our community have maybe been seen as leaders for a period of time, yet at the same exact time have been harm causers <laughs> um, behind closed doors or maybe out in the open, um, but have not been held accountable, right? So, um that kind of dynamic, I would say, is probably more prevalent within, like, 
maybe like some sort of like hierarchy of power mm. um, or perceived hierarchy of power, like age difference, you know, like an elder or like, um, you know, if it were more like a workplace, like a, a, a boss type figure, you know, or a person, you know, a, a management type figure. But um, what are the ways in which, you know, I'm going to root it more in the community um, aspect. What are the ways in which um, I'm going to say like some alternative tools could be used in terms of um, maybe it's addressing I don't know if it's addressing the harm or if it's, um, you know, holding the person accountable or if it's um, trying to mitigate, you know what I mean, the harm. Like, what are ways in which you've seen that have been or some tools that have been successful in terms of like those those types of circumstances? Yeah. Um, so one of my favorite things in the world is pod mapping. And it came out of the Bay Area Transformative Justice Collective um, and Mia Minguez um, developed this tool. Um, and initially they developed it because they found when they were talking about community with people like, who's your community? Like the word community means so many different things to different people. Um, and so they started using the word um, pod and it's a way for you to think about like who are your supportive people um, in moments when you have been harmed, but also in moments when you have harmed someone. And so, um, so if I'm making a pod map for myself, like also like everyone is capable of harm. Like I'm capable of harming people. You're capable. We're all capable of like harming folks. Um, and so when I create my pod map for um, thinking about, um, sorry. Um, no, this um, is powerful. When, <laughs> I, I'm like, yeah. yeah, this is really good stuff. Um, but when I'm thinking about like, who are the people um, in like my first, like my closest tier um, in my pod map, I'm thinking about like one people that are that can be really honest with me um i'm thinking about people that can be like thought partners with me um i'm thinking about people um that don't have a problem being honest with me also and saying like if i'm like oh well this is what happened and they're like oh well you know that was that was jacked up curtis um, and also like people that are like down to like seek out resources with me if I need some support. So like if I need like a therapist, if I need, um, if I need like a group, um, of other folks that are maybe having these experiences that, um, want to like grow together. Um, so like, these are just like some of the things that you might want to think about. And so earlier when I was saying like, you know, we all have a part in um, in like supporting healing when a harm has happened, um, 
I think it's really important that when we like hear something happening or like see a thing happening, if I'm not really like, like affected by this harm, like it's a direct harm to me. It might be like, oh man, that was messed up and I might feel a way about it. But um, I'm not like directly hurt from this. This is also an opportunity if I have a relationship with the person that has harmed to be like, hey, like you want to do this pod map or like, hey, like this thing is going on. Um, you want to like talk about it to figure out like um, how you can move through community differently instead of being like, oh, that was jacked up and that hurt me even though it maybe really didn't hurt you. It maybe just like gave you some feelings. Um, but really being able to like step back and assess like, oh, is this something that really harmed me? Or is this an opportunity for me to like show up for a community member in a different way where it might be uncomfortable um, to support someone that has harm? But also like if everybody is just like, oh, well, that was jacked up and I'm hurt from this too. Um, then who is, who's there to support this person? And then thank you for that. And then, so a person who does some heinous, um, you know, something horrible, right. Um, is it, it, it is it still within community to support that person? Is it still safe for community to support that person? I'm gonna. Um, ask. I don't know. Let's talk about heinous. What does heinous yeah. mean? <laughs> so, um, a murder, right? Mm-hmm. Like uh, maybe murder, an intentional murder, mm-hmm. right? And then, or even even an accidental murder, right? Someone. Uh, shooting on someone's street and murder someone's child or um, a murder of, um, you know, people who maybe people actually had beef and then, you know, that was intended to happen. So, you know, there are, you know, people in community who then uh, may want to get revenge or there are people in community who are still feeling, um, you know, broken, you know what I mean? Um, and then, and then, you know, um, some of those people come back to those same communities, you know, after they've, uh, gone through a, 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 you know, the penal system, right. Um, or even people who have, um, come, yeah, I'll just say like people who have come back to us broken from the penal system. So Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, like, what is what does that look like in terms of um if we're not you know if folks are when I say they're coming back broken I mean let me just be more clear that folks are coming back to community to um and 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 committing more harms or folks are in community like continuing to commit harm and you know intentionally so how does that, you know, like, how is that, I'm going to say, managed? 
You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or dealt with? That's the, yeah, I think that's the question. Yeah. So, um, like I said earlier, I don't claim to be an expert on this. Um, <laughs> I think as community, we're developing more and more tools to be able to support each other in instances of harm on like a variety of levels. Um, but I think as someone um, that's like, um, committed to um, like thinking about different tools and also like supporting folks in like alternatives to like police and prisons and things like that. Um, I think it's really important that we think about what we can handle. Um, Like myself, like you know, there are things that um, and processes I might say like, oh, that is like maybe beyond my skill set or maybe something that in my past of trauma that I'm still like unpacking. And so um, supporting in something like this would like just be re-traumatizing for me. Um, And so like being as a community, um, if you have like a community safety team, being able to be honest about like, oh, do we have the tools in this toolbox to deal with like a murder, whether it's accidental or on purpose. Um, Do we know people that have tools um, for this? Also, do we know anyone that knows this person? I think that um, like earlier when I was saying like being in community with someone, it's like one of the first steps in like being able to even like start or be in a process. Um, And when I say a process, like whether it be like a circle, restorative, transformative, um, community accountability, using pod mapping and things like that. Um, And so like, do we know somebody that's in community with them that we can have a conversation with um, to see if like they also are like, oh, you know, um, I would love to support them and like being accountable and like whatever healing that they want to do and i don't necessarily have the tools but like if this person has the tools and you have a connection with them how can we work together and like supporting this person um and just being able to kind of like as a community like think about that And not feel like, oh, it's just like this one person that we call all the time that does these things. Um, But as a community, like, how are we, like, addressing it? And also, like, thinking about, like, the people around us and, like, how we can work together to support the people that have been harmed or person that has been harmed. And also, like, support this person that has, like, done this thing. Um, and we're committed to being like, we don't want to throw you away. And also like, you can't be in community like this. Like the, you can't exist in this community this way. And then I guess I have another question and I want to just throw it out there just to make it obvious. Is there a role? Well, I'll say this. We'll take a stand that the system of policing should not exist. Right. (laughs) 
So um, the, I'm going to ask the question that folks ask to me, but I just prefaced it by saying, you know, that I just threw out there. I just outed myself, if you will. But um, I'm going to say one of the questions I get is, what is the role of police or is there a role for police? And so for me, I always am like, no. Um, and so at the same time, I don't have the answer for my neighbor who um, is being beat up by her partner. You know what I mean? Like, so, um, yeah, I just want to throw that out there just to get like a definitive from you. Like, is there a role for police um, in our society as we exist right now? Um, I don't see like going forward, like I don't see like a role for police in the future. Like I'm like, I want them gone. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and also like if the resources that people have and that, ha that they have access to, I don't shame people in using the resources they have access to. And so mm -hmm. like, if you feel like in this moment, what I need to do to feel safe in this moment is call the police, then I'm not going to shame you for that either. Um, mm -hmm. And also there's opportunity like, oh, after this thing has happened, how are we like thinking about like, oh, when things like this happen on our block, what are, can we brainstorm some ways um, to address like different crises or different harms and like things like that, that might happen on this block and how we can support one another. Like we got a phone tree happening. Um, we have like some resources for food. If somebody needs food, um, we have some resources to like watch children. If like children need to be watched for whatever reason, like there's a big storm, like how do we like come together for like these sorts of things? Um, so how, um, how can we come together? Like, pre something, um, some kind of crisis happening. So like one of something I learned was like, you know, when in the moments of crises, a lot of times our brain like kind of like goes into this downward spiral where we can't see a way out. And it's just like, oh, everything is awful. And it just like gets worse and worse from there. But when you have things that you've already thought about or you've written down, um, which is why pod mapping is so wonderful. Like you have like this physical representation um, to kind of like kick your brain out of that downward spiral and be like, oh, wait, I do have a plan. Oh, wait, there are people that love me. There are people that want to see me do well. There are people that want to support me. Um, there's a community of houses right around me. And we've already come up with a plan for when things like this happen. And so I don't need to like think that there is no turning back from here. It's only going to get worse or be ashamed or, you know, just like all the things that goes through our minds, whether we are the person that has harmed or like in a moment of crisis or have been harmed. Um, there's something to just like remind us and like kind of snap us out of that moment. Yeah. And what I really love is in this conversation, you've already named several tools that um, 
people can use to create uh, safer communities or, you know, resources that um, people can create or that already exist. Um, I'm wondering, can you share a bit more um, on the, you, you touched on it, but if you can go a little bit deeper, the, I'm going to say the services, I don't know if that's the word you use, that the safety team um, offers. Yeah, sure. Um, so one of my favorite things that we do, we have a, a citywide fellowship. And so folks can participate in our fellowship. It's a two-year fellowship and they receive about seven months of training, not consecutively, maybe like one weekend a month um, where we'll talk about like um, um, physical de-escalation that is um, non-abusive. Um, we'll talk about restorative practices and circles. We'll talk about community accountability, um, pod mapping, just like all of all of this, all of these trainings and workshops um, to kind of like um, give people like uh, like space to like if they haven't started reimagining already, like space to reimagine with some tools. Um, and then after that training, folks are able to shadow um, folks that are either like doing workshops around um, safety or processes so like um, supporting folks and navigating conflict and harm or also like event support um, so like how when we have events like there might be things that are happening um, I feel like there could be a range of things that can happen during an event where you're like oh we want support and making sure like we're safe um, and after folks shadow then um, during their second year, they're able to like put on a project where they're like sharing their knowledge or like supporting people with an event or something like that. Um, so the fellowship is like my favorite thing ever because it just like gives everyone in the community an opportunity to just learn a bunch and co-create with each other, like folks that are in the cohort with them. And then also like take that knowledge back to their community spaces and like co-create with people like their neighbors and things like that. Um, and then safety team also, Detroit safety team also offers event support. So earlier I was saying like, there's a, a range of reasons why you might want like an alternative to like police or security. So um, we supported like Feed and Freedom Growers with like, oh, we weren't able to get the street blocked off. And so safety team members were there supporting people like getting back and forth across the street um, in a safe way. Um, and also like making sure that um, like if there were any moments of like, oh, I might've been triggered by this or I need someone to like support me through a thing. There are people that are on standby to help with like, those type of moments. Um, and that also can be as big as like a conference. So Detroit safety team has supported with safety for like the Allied media conference. Um, so there's just like a range of things like with events specifically where Detroit safety team is like a really great alternative. And also like if police come, like being able to interact with police and being like, oh, actually we have this under control. Thank you for coming, good night. 
leave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then we also offer workshops and trainings, and we offer support in people navigating conflict and harm um, using some of the tools that I said earlier. So like either circles or like pod mapping or um, community accountability. Wow. That's like, so uh, thank you, number yeah. one, for coming on the show, for all the powerful work that you're doing. Um and, you know, this work is difficult. Um, dealing with people is difficult. Managing people is difficult. Managing personalities. Um, so just want to send you lots of love and protection and Thank gratitude you. for all of that. Um, I want to understand just um, before we go, how can people support you, support your work? Um yeah. How can people support you in your work? Um, so people can support the Detroit safety team by making donations. Um, when we do support people in navigating harm or events or um, workshops, we offer support in those ways on a gradient scale model. And so that means if someone comes to us and they're like, actually, we don't have a budget for this at all, but we really need your support that we don't turn people away. And so, um, but if there are people that come to us and they're like, hey, not only can I pay for myself, I can also put a little bit in the pot or someone else that might not be able to afford your support. But also if people make donations, we're able to like, um, like really like, um, it gives us the ability to just like be able to support people regardless of like what kind of money or resources they have access to. Um, also like um, being a part of the fellowship. Um, we're going to be starting our next round of fellowship in 2023. Um, and you can go to our website, redefinesafety.org um, and find out more about the fellowship. Um, and also just like more about the organization. Um, follow us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, but yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much. Is there anything that you wanted to add that you didn't get a chance to speak on? Ah, um, not that I can think of. This was great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thank you for coming on. Um, maybe we'll bring you on another time and we'll talk about natural hair or, um, uh, you know, <laughs> your amazing um, chefery skills. Uh, but yes, because you do all of that as well. And you do it very well, Thank um, you. actually. Yeah. And so I'm just grateful that um, to be in community with you, honestly, I'm grateful that you have decided to make this your mission, um, life's journey, and that you have dedicated yourself to um, protecting people and to learning more, to training, um, how to interact with people safely and how to teach others how to do this. Um, I keep giving you gratitude, but, um, it's such a, a heavy lift that you're doing and just want you to know that you are appreciated. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, yeah, everybody go to, is it, um, say your, say your, um, Instagram again and your Twitter. Um, so both our handles on social media are Detroit safety team 
And mm. then um, our website is redefinesafety.org. There you have it. Yes, yes, yes. And so also too, um, you know, keep listening to Piper Carter podcast on Detroit is different podcast network. You can go to my site, pipercarterpodcast.com. You can go to the Detroit is different Dot com or DetroitIsDifferent.net. And you can visit us on social media at Piper Carter Podcast on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, or you can go to Detroit Is Different on all your social media platforms as well. Um, remember to like, share, subscribe, let people know about the show, and please share this episode because this month has been the Black August series where we are looking at abolition and all the ways in which we can unplug from this toxic system and reimagine our beautiful world. So thank you for listening. Thank you, Curtis Renee. And thank you to all the people that are doing great work. Peace. <laughs>